Hey guys, welcome to Bar Talk Podcast. This is show number seven, guys. Uh, this would be our fourth live show here on Facebook. Uh, today we're talking little cryptids, guys. It's gonna be gonna be a little creepy here tonight. Uh, gonna bring Audrey up now. Coming in three, two, one. Audrey, there you are. There I is. Uh, Audrey, uh, do we have anybody else coming up tonight? Yes, we do. We have my younger sister, Midget. And here she comes, two, one, and live. Hey, Midge. Fancy Hello. meeting you here. No, it's almost as if we were not here this entire time. Yeah, pretty much. All right, guys. So Bruno's not going to be here tonight. Uh, he has some family issues going on out of state. Uh, he's busy taking care of them. So everybody, please wish uh, well wishes. Uh, send them his way. Him and his family can use them. Uh, yeah, to you, Bruno. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking a little cryptids tonight, uh, getting ready for Halloween season. Uh, so we're going to be talking cryptids, and a little bit later on, we're going to disclose some of our information for the Halloween show, uh, the costume contest. Uh, so definitely stick around for that, guys. Uh, yeah. It's uh, definitely share the show, uh, like, comment, definitely engage in the comments. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, so we're going to start this show off. Um, I'm not sure how familiar some of you are with with some of the, the cryptids, uh, but we're going to start off talking a little bit about skinwalkers. Have either of you guys heard about skinwalkers? I've never even heard about cryptids until Midge brought it up to me. I've, I'm completely clueless on everything. Sure, blame me for it. It's all your fault. You're my younger sister. You're supposed to tell me about this crap. Uh, Midge, you familiar with skinwalkers at all? Vaguely, yes, I am. Vaguely familiar. What do you know about them? I know that they were a mythos from quite a while ago, and they originated in the Navajo regions and in their culture. Yes, definitely. Uh, they did originate in the Navajo regions. I have a little bit of information pulled up about them, but uh, I finally hooked up the Echo Dot. So let's see what she has to say about skinwalkers, shall we? Alexa, look up skinwalkers on Wikipedia. According to Wikipedia, in Navajo culture, a skinwalker is a type of python witch who has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. The term is never used for healers. Okay, so there's what there's what uh, what Amazon knows about skinwalkers. I had a little um, bit of feedback on my end, so I couldn't okay. I couldn't really hear too good. My my bad if anybody had any sort of uh, any sort of feedback. Uh, I have some information that I have pulled up here uh, about about skinwalkers. Uh, there's quite a bit, so I'll read a little bit. If you guys have any input or any questions or any any good points to talk about, let me know. Someone just asked, are they the real tall ones? Uh, skinwalkers can kind of take any any shape or form, so to speak. Uh, they could disguise themselves as animals. They can possess or disguise themselves as people as well. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read some of the information I have here. And like I said, if you guys have any questions, uh, questions down in chat, uh, definitely ask them. Uh, so in the Navajo culture, a skinwalker is a type of harmful witch 
who has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. Uh, boy, I'm even going to try and pronounce what the Navajo refer to them as, but it translates to, with it, he goes on all fours. Uh, it's just one several types of Navajo witches and is considered the most volatile and dangerous. Uh, for the Navajo people, witchcraft is just another part of their spirituality and one of their ways of their lives. As such, witchcraft has long been part of their culture, history, and traditions. Witches exist alongside of humans and are not supernaturals. You guys with me so far? Mostly. Mostly? Mostly with me so far? I don't know. We want, might want to turn it up a little bit. Audrey's looking like she might be falling asleep a little bit. <laughs> um. Okay, reading a little further, the Navajo believe there are places where the powers of both good and evil are present and that those powers can be harnessed for either. Uh, medicine men utilize these powers to heal and aid members of their communities, while those who practice Navajo witchcraft seek to direct the spiritual fortress to cause harm or misfortune to others. This type of Navajo witchcraft is known as the witchery way, which uses human corpses in various ways, such as tools from the bones, uh, and concoctions that are used to curse, harm, or kill intended victims. So for the most part, it, it kind of looks like uh, I, I would say they try to harm people for doing things that they don't, you know, uh, agree with, so to speak. Is that what you guys get out of that? Yeah, to do something that they don't normally do. I think they would make terrible neighbors. They sound right? like they make terrible neighbors. Uh, now, I can keep reading through. Uh, let's see. The aloe. Uh, well, I don't even. Oh, the, the, the Wendigo. Yeah, we were actually going to, to bring that up. Uh, Midge was going to bring that up a little bit later. Uh, I can either keep going through reading some of the information about skinwalkers, or if you guys want, I found a story of somebody. Uh, who has a story about a skinwalker encounter, and I can just read that, and we can draw conclusions from that. What do you guys want to do? Uh, I'm game for the story. What about you, Midge? That sounds good to me. Story time? Story time. Story should, time. I, should I hop into my pajamas? Everybody get in your pajamas. <laughs> I'm not actually in my pajamas. I'm wearing pants, thank you. <laughs> All right. So for for those of you watching, you know, get near get near any real life story documents. Yeah. Well, what I'm reading is off of a, a page with user submitted stories. So presuming that this is somebody that actually had an encounter, uh, rather than somebody who likes to write fictitious material. So here we go. Get your pajamas on. Cuddle up under the blankets. We're gonna. We're it's story time. We were out hunting one night in the woods surrounding the dairy farm in Ohio where we lived at the time, he'd tell me. We were tracking coyotes. We'd kill them for 50 bucks a skin. They'd kill calves sometimes. We'd do it every night because we needed the money. Sometimes, while we were out, we'd come on a, uh, we'd, we'd come on a deer and kill it. Our landlord didn't mind, and it could feed our family for a few nights and save us some money. Anyway, we were done making our rounds and heading home, walking, because we didn't have a car or four-wheeler back then. We'd cut through the woods. That's when we came upon it. Blood everywhere. Splattered on the trees, in the grass, in the creek, everywhere. 
At first, we figured it was a pack of coyotes. We'd seen how sometimes, when they weren't able to scavenge for whatever reason, they'd start hunting deer or cattle out of desperation. The worst was when they bred with feral dogs, but this wasn't like that. You see, when a pack of dogs, wolves, or coyotes attack something, they do it right. They'll pick off one that's weak, sick, or old, or just small. They'll hunt it, draw it into a corner, someplace it can't get out of, and they'll run in right into the biggest one, the alpha. That and deer will never see that alpha. It might hear it, but it won't see it. All of a sudden, its throat will be torn out and it'll drop dead. It's quick and it's clean. That wasn't what happened here. Something had come up on a group of deer. Coyotes won't attack a group. Wolves won't, wouldn't either. They'd get too much of a fight. There were three, I think. Three bodies, just torn apart. You'd see a herd or a torso here, a leg there. Predators don't do that. They don't leave scraps behind. Whatever had done this hadn't done it for food. It had done it for fun. But we didn't know that at the time, of course. We were just saw a bunch of carcasses and figured it's something we had to take care of. I remember my dad telling me to go home that he thought it was the work of a pack of feral dogs. But I wasn't leaving him, and I damn sure wasn't hiking through two miles of woods alone in the dark in nothing but a twenty-two and a pocket knife. I was only 13 at the time, so a twenty-two rifle was the only gun I could reliably use. Dad had the shotgun, and I wasn't going anywhere with it without it or him it took me a while to convince him but finally we began tracking whatever did that it wasn't hard either we just followed the blood either that thing bled a deer before it got away or it dragged one for a mile i don't know what i do know is that i'd never seen my dad scared before that night we started hearing the most horrible sounds now i've been in a lot of woods in my life and i've been all over the world but i never heard noises like i heard that night I heard things screaming. I heard deer, fox, rabbits, raccoons, and birds, all of them afraid of something and hightailing it. Keep in mind, this is maybe 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. Except for the fox and some birds, nothing was supposed to be awake at that hour. But they weren't just awake, mind you. They were on the run. That night, I saw flocks of birds flying straight into trees trying to escape something. We came upon a pack of coyotes and nearly shot a couple thinking they had their eyes on us. But when then but then we saw they were running in from someone, nothing toward us. They didn't even notice us and went right past. Then the deer did the same, then the rabbits, the squirrels, and foxes. Even a couple of wild hogs. These critters were supposed to be hunting each other, and the only thing they cared about was getting as far away from there as possible. We should have put two and two together. Maybe whatever we weren't tracking wasn't supposed to be there and wasn't supposed and wasn't something we could kill. To this day, I don't know why we didn't just go home. I guess we were just curious. I think that was my dad's nature to go toward trouble to fight. And being aware of the things my father did during the war, I figured it was best to stay by his side. We finally reached an open valley. It was normally a soy field, but it wasn't in season, so it was just flat dirt. That's when we saw the tracks. Animals fleeing the forest had leveled everything in their path, but where that deer blood was, nothing had taken a single step. It was like whatever was responsible had left it for us to find. The tracks were shallow. 
whatever it was couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds, but that didn't mean much. A bobcat weighing 40 pounds soaking wet can tear your throat out if you're not careful. The fact this thing was on the lighter side just meant it was probably quick and was going to be tough to hit. You guys following so far? So far. Okay. So we followed the tracks and it didn't take us long to find where they led. There's an old schoolhouse that sits on top of a hill. Half of it had been ripped out by a tornado, but nobody lived there, not for a long time. Sometimes we caught homeless people in there or drug addicts looking for a safe place to shoot up. We figured maybe that was it. Maybe some old sick kid riding a high. But we didn't think that for long. When we got to within 50 yards, we heard a noise. A sort of screech made up by two different sounds. One was high-pitched, and the other was a low growl. It was making both sounds at the same time, if that makes any sense. We approached to within 20 yards, and we heard another sound. Different this time. I remember thinking that it sounded like a paper being torn apart while someone was swinging water back and forth in a bucket. Dad looked at me, knelt down and whispered. He told me I had to stay behind him because we're about to corner our prey. Any animal will fight when it's cornered, especially a predator. But we can tell by the tracks that there's only one. He tells me it's probably a single feral dog, most likely rabid. The plan, he said, was to sneak up on it while it was eating shoot it, and then keep shooting it till it didn't move anymore, then slit its throat. If it got to Dad, it was my job to shoot or stab it to get it off of him. So he walked up with me, right behind him, just a tad to his side so I could see what it is. I wish to this day I hadn't. It was leaning over a carcass, tearing off its flesh, and throwing what it didn't nibble at aside. There was blood all over the brick, glistening in the moonlight. It was pale white and looked a little like a man, but not quite human. It had arms and legs like ours, but it sat like a monkey, hunched over. And its hands weren't normal. It had long fingers with claws at the end. So we saw that, and my dad hesitated. He wasn't about to fire at a person, so he cleared his throat to try and get it to turn around. I swear to God Almighty, all the noise just ceased in an instant. I never heard true silence before that and never again afterwards, but for two seconds, nothing made any noise. And I mean nothing. This made it all the louder when that thing turned around, made this shill cry, and pounced on Dad. He got a shot off. I think he missed. If he hit, it didn't phase the thing at all, but it was on him, tearing entire parts of him off. I started shooting it with the twenty-two point blank, but the thing barely bled at all. I got off five rounds, and then I started hitting it with the butt of the gun. It didn't budge or even register that I was there. It was clawing at my dad, removing whole chunks of his flesh. It started on his torso, peeling off the skin of his chest, and then it moved up. It tore out his throat, ripped his nose clean off, and gouged out his eyes. Then it scalped him and started digging in. I stood there, helpless, as it ripped off the bottom half of his jaw, the little bones, and that tube in his neck and then his ribs. I don't exactly remember what happened, but somehow my dad's knife ended up being in this thing's shoulder, and my dad, what was left of him, that is, ended up on my back. I was running, and my God, I was going faster than I'd ever run before or after, and it was following me. I ended up getting back in the forest, opposite the woods we started in. 
I was heading towards my landlord's house because it was the closest thing to help nearby, but even that was a half a mile away. All the while, I could hear the thing screeching and moaning. I heard branches cracking and getting thrown around. It was cracking so loud and often that it sounded like someone taking an axe to every single tree I passed, but I never looked back, not once. The thought didn't even cross my mind. Finally, I tripped and fell into some gravel. I looked up to see my landlord and a bunch of his buddies drinking around the campfire. I screamed and cried and they came over. I told them to call an ambulance and my landlord looked at me and said something I'll never forget. What is that on your back? He asked me. Just as the words left his mouth, it dawned on him without my saying a word. It was one of those god-awful flannel shirts my dad wore everywhere, he realized. And it was damn near all that was left of my dad. Aside from a bit of my father's head and torso, that's all there was. Absolutely nothing below the waist. Suddenly, we heard it, the screeching. My landlord grabbed me, causing me to drop what's left of my dad on the ground. And I was fighting him, crying because I thought we could still save him, somehow. But the truth is, my dad had been gone well before I ever picked him up, and all I'd done is carry a corpse back home. My landlord had to pick me up and throw me inside before I would go with him. He and his buddies, all of us went inside together, and they locked the doors and got their guns. The landlord asked me, what happened? What happened? But I don't know what to tell him. He pieced enough of it together to understand there was something dangerous out there. All the lights in the house were on, and someone called the cops. They would get there as soon as they could, they said, but that meant in 15 minutes. We looked outside, and I saw it walk in front of the fire they'd made. No one knew what it was. One of them said it looked like an ape. Suddenly, something came crashing through the window. We all fired at it, but quickly realized it wasn't this thing. It wasn't the thing. No, it was my landlord's dog. Well, his body, anyway. His head and legs were missing. We had just started pushing things in front of the doors and windows for, to form a barricade when we heard something in the garage. I remember one of his friends saying that the doors were open. We heard metal and glass being ripped and smashed. We dragged the couch and TV in front of the door to the garage, for added measure. It banged around some more, but then it got quiet. Not silent, like it was before. We could hear it move around some, and the guys were talking, making sure their guns were ready. Someone handed me a pistol. No sooner had I cocked the hammer back when we heard something shatter upstairs. Then we heard it screech again. This time, it was louder, and it didn't echo fade out, because it was inside. We all rushed to the one door that led upstairs, and we got to it just as that thing did. It opened it just a bit, and four or five men just slammed into it. It managed to get its hand through. Someone with a shotgun took care of that, put the barrel right up to its wrist, and pulled the trigger, and blew its hand clean off. That only pissed it off, though. It started shoving that door, clawing. We were on one side, pushing as best we could, and it was on the other, doing the same. The wood wasn't going to hold, so someone told us to keep our heads down. Suddenly, the top half of the door was gone, and my ears were ringing. There were splinters everywhere. Two or three of them had just unloaded on the top of the door. I don't really know where it went after that. The police got there. I was still glued to what was left of the door. The sun was up before they pried me loose. They put me in a hospital for a while. While I was there, a lot of people talked to me, but I didn't respond. Not for a long, long time. When I got back home, I got a job for the landlord working on the farm. We didn't talk much, not, a, not about the thing. 
but I signed up for the army when I was 19, and he sat me down to drink some scotch as a send-off. I asked him right away what the police had told him. The story they went with was that it was a wild animal, probably a wolf or maybe a bear that had migrated north. I asked him how they could say that when they had the hand. He looked at me, stunned. He told me that the hand never made it back to the station. The cop who had it in his car got into a wreck, drove into a tree, and died on impact. The hand was never found, likely taken by an animal. The cops would... The cops, when they would acknowledge the hand existed at all, said it was simply the paw off a bear that resembled a man's. I never talked to the landlord again. He went missing while I was in basic training, and no one ever saw him again. The rumors, there were rumors that he owed some people some money and skipped town, but I don't think it's that simple. As for me, I never went back to those woods. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even if I had the whole goddamn U.S. Army at my back. And that was the story. It's a good horror story. I don't think it was yeah, real. No uh, way. It, no, I don't think it's real either. I got stuck I back on pack of coyote. <laughs> I was like, coyotes don't go in packs, right? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's a real story. I think it's a you know, it's a neat story, but. Well, I mean. I don't think if I carried the bloodied remains of my parental figure on my back all the way home and only half of them was left, I don't think I would ever be in a condition to do anything for the rest of my life, let alone do something like join the army. But that was a pretty neat story. Yeah, I'm going to throw a couple pictures up now. I'm not sure if you guys could see them. Uh, the audience can. I can. Uh, these are some supposed pictures of skinwalkers. Uh, obviously taking various uh, shapes, sizes, forms. All I um, see is my sister, so I hope that it doesn't apply to me. It's me. <laughs> uh, these are, these are What's pictures. What's that disguise of? <laughs> the, the one picture that's currently up is actually a picture supposedly from Skinwalker Ranch. It's in one of the Dakotas. I don't know. I, I can see it very easily replicated in a costume of some sort, if you're really good with like special effects and shit like that, you know? Yeah. And if that story was real, if you see the person in the background there behind the deer elk, whatever the hell it is, it, it said in the story that like all the animals were like, they sensed it. You there? Yeah. I mean, that would, that would be a, a sixth sense. Cause most animals are, are very, very good. at it's sensing things like that. Midge, are you hearing us? Yeah, there was a funny glitch thing that just happened. Yeah, that happens every so often with Be Live. Yeah, every, like somebody broke some them. guitar strings. <laughs> no, no guitar strings broken here. I hope not. That would suck. Why well, have not crying? So I assume not. <laughs> yeah, he would be in tears. But the uh, the origins of skinwalkers, they, they don't actually know. Uh, the Navajo witch, there was a Navajo witch pur uh, purge, which was in 1878. Uh, the origins trace back, as far as stories about this, trace back further than, than you know, relative United States history. You know, it, it dates back to Navajo Indians uh, pre-United States of America. 
I don't have any specific dates. Uh, there's a ranch in northeast Utah. Okay, no, that's uh, Sherman Ranch. Called the Sherman Ranch. Okay, that I, I'm, I stand corrected. That wasn't in Dakotas. That was in Utah. Uh, they refer to it as the Sherman Ranch, the Skinwalker Ranch, and the UFO Ranch. Uh, it has a history of UFOs, aliens, cattle mutilations, crop circles, but also has a uh, history of skinwalkers also being there. Uh, hence, the, hence the nickname Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, that's one that I am... Yeah, there we go. Yeah, John Lupo probably corrected me before I even said it was in the Dakotas. He said it was in Utah. That I, I, I'm sure Mr. Lupo is very familiar with Skinwalker Ranch, uh, which we'll, we'll be talking a little more about that kind of stuff. Uh, so definitely keep your eyes open for that. Hey, Ryan, I just had a funny thought. Go ahead. I remember that back in yonder days, they suspected that the ancient Norse uh, berserkers the reason why they would go crazy, that they assumed they were possessed by spirits or notwithstanding, they thought they did it because of a psychedelic mushroom of some kind that was in part of their preparations for going out to war. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the skinwalkers, part of their ritual, something like that, caused the hallucinations that caused something along the lines of their legends to be brought forth. Because this has a little bit of a, a steadier backbone to it, considering it's part of a cultural belief, as opposed of a story or a myth that was brought about from a, a, a time period. So, maybe. Yeah, that's 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 entirely possible. I mean, it, it, you have to you have to look at things like this that have a very rich history uh, that are tied into to different cultures especially really spiritual cultures like the Navajo Indians, they had a very rich and spiritual culture. And yeah, I mean, they, they lived off the land and wild mushrooms grow on the land. And yeah, that's, that's, that's entirely possible. I would, I would say that's in the realm of possibility as for, as for the story itself. I, I don't think the story is true. Uh, John Lupo in chat said the skinwalker legend states that a skinwalker is the shaman who has dabbled in dark arts and has taken on attributes such as shape shifting. Yeah. We, we talked about a little bit right when we started before the story that they, they uh, did a lot of, uh, did some shape shifting. Uh, they had the ability to turn into possess or disguise themselves as an animal. I bring in uh, the page up here that I was reading the info off of. Uh, if you're looking at the uh, webpage, it's legendsofamerica.com, uh, friend slash Navajo hyphen skinwalkers. Uh, that's the that's the page I'm getting the info off of now. I can toss it on the screen here. So there's a transformation of the skinwalker, like if they are dabbling in dark arts or what you know, whatever dark magic, is that what like causes them to become violent? Uh, I, it's well, if the first line I read was in the Navajo culture, a skinwalker is a type of harmful witch. So, I is as, as John Lupo said, that would make sense. Uh, where was it here? Uh, it's a shaman who has dabbled in dark arts and has taken on attributes such as shape shifting. So, it was somebody. Uh, they dabbled in, in I don't, I don't want to call it witchcraft, because that's kind of a different thing than what they're doing here. 
but for for lack of a better word, who dabbled in witchcraft and turned to dark arts and does harmful things because of it would be my interpretation. Yeah, but what I mean is, is like that, like okay, yeah, the per, you know, when they're dabbling in all the all that stuff, like does it turn into like the violence from the beast, or is it the person that's portraying the violence? Well, if the person is shape shifting, I would imagine that the mentality is still there when they shape shift, if they can do it on demand. If I'm going to turn into a grizzly bear, I'm pretty sure that I'm intending on wrecking something. Well, I, I think <laughs> yeah. more, you know, it, if, if it transforms into a grizzly bear, is it still thinking like the human or is it thinking like a grizzly bear? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, I'm not sure which way it would be, or is it something that you train yourself to do after doing it so many times? I would, I would imagine, I, I would imagine probably that if you're doing it on demand and you can just shape shift on, on command, that you probably have the mentality of your original being. I mean, it's not, it's not like, you know, a, a werewolf scenario where a full moon happens and you involuntarily turn into a werewolf. You know, and they have no recollection, they are a werewolf. That does make sense, too, though, because if we take this uh, admittedly fictitious story into account, the one that he came across was some sort of ape-like creature. And if you came across any of those in their natural habitat, they would most likely flee. They're not, I mean, unless it's, I guess, a gorilla, maybe something more, something more aggressive, it might, but something more simian-like, I don't think its first reaction would be to jump on you and rip you to pieces. So there might but be human mentality in it. But it could have been protecting food. Now, if you go into, like, the life of a cougar or something, when something you know, they have their kill nearby, they will protect their food. Well, skinwalkers didn't normally hunt for food. It wasn't, it wasn't a food thing. So what, the, what they did with the story does line up with traditionally what a skinwalker is and does. They're not hunting for food. Wasn't there something about how they take in the extra lifespan or something like that of the things they kill and that they eat? Probably, but we uh, opted to not read all the information and just jump into the story. See, that was our fault. Conclusion. Brings it on us. Well, no, which is fine because hey, so John, John Lupo's down here in the chat just typing away all this good information. He said, they also say you have to kill a family member in order to attain the powers of the skinwalker, which is something that I did here. You, you killed that's a family to the test. <laughs> <laughs> you killed a family member? I was going to say, who's a volunteer? <laughs> We're not married yet, so it doesn't count. No. <laughs> I'm safe. Audrey, I was going to say, how do you feel about being a widow? <laughs> no, but... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. Sorry, Midge. Dang it. I can off you, though. You're my sister. Well, does it work with half-siblings or no? Uh, if you're related, it's fine. Another uh, another bit of information I read here, it says, however, skinwalkers are notoriously hard to kill and attempts are usually unsuccessful. Trying to kill one will often result in the witch seeking revenge. Successfully killing generally requires the assistance of a powerful shaman who knows spells and rituals that can turn the skinwalker's evil back upon itself. 
Another alternative is to shoot the creature with bullets that have been dipped into white ash. However, this shot must hit the witch in the neck or the head. Well, I'd be so scared. I can't get a headshot. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'd be kind of curious. Like, is it just like ashes that are colored white, or does it have to be from like a like a like an ash tree? I guess it's from something that didn't char too badly as it burned. You know, like paper or something. When you go to start a fire, it'll be mostly white ash. Yeah. But if you burn something that's more artificial, I guess you get you get the dark gray stuff yeah but on top of that like how would that work because i mean not only would you lose half the ashes if not more when you fired the gun how could you guarantee that it would actually like there would be well, any left I don't, I don't think that i don't think that it actually had to like have a ton of ash on it it's kind of like the whole uh holy water with a vampire a little drop of it will kind of singe them yeah, because it's blessed i mean if you're just going to go to a ca random campfire and pick out some ashes it's not blessed well, no, no, it's not. But there's kind of residue from the ash. I, I maybe, maybe, maybe these supposed skinwalkers are allergic to ash. So you just, you know, what setting it on fire kill it then? Uh, no, well, turn it to ash. Turn them to ash. <laughs> to well, yeah, but you imagine so you, you could just take a bucket of ashes and throw it at the damn thing. Yeah, uh, well. But if that was going to shoot it in the head or in the neck, um, like, does the ashes have to get into its bloodstream? Um, okay. John, John Lupo brings a good point up. No pun intended. He said hollow points. Put ash inside of it. Oh, maybe, yeah. Uh, John Lupo also said he had a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of things planned for Tom's program when he had it. Uh, he told us there's accounts of Bigfoot being violent to look up an account called Ape Canyon. I'm not sure if either of you are familiar with that. I am not. I'm not. But I am going to set the... I'm going to put that aside here so I can look into that after this show. He's sick of looking at us, Midge. Oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, she put on a face <laughs> i'm sick of looking at us too so that's fine <laughs> oh thanks i feel loved it's mutual okay um john lupo also brought up he's he's man he's a hitting he's doing pretty damn good with these comments uh he brought up god i i gotta find it now uh let's see where is it it's in my phone here somewhere He's always oh, yeah. losing things. Yeah. I am things. Uh, he actually brought up in the comments earlier the Wendigo. Uh, Midge, do you have any information on that there? Or were you just, uh, just throwing I names I do out? indeed. Since you, uh, uh, you plopped wanna, that you into wanna, my lap last minute. Do you want to give us some, some information on the Wendigo? And uh, Lupo commented and said it's almost like the Eastern, Eastern U.S. version of the Skinwalkers. Was, uh, was paraphrasing his comment there. That's probably not exactly what he said. According to what I have right here, it says, In the north woods of Minnesota, the forests of the Great Lake region and the central regions of Canada is said to live a malevolent being called the Wendigo. This creature may appear as a monster with some characteristics of a human or as a spirit who has possessed a human being and made them become monstrous. 
phone call. <laughs> yeah. It is historically associated with cannibalism, murder, insatiable greed, and the cultural taboos against such behaviors. Known by several names, Windigo, Widigo, Witiko, Witigo, each of them roughly translates to the evil spirit that devours mankind. It is this, oh God. Here we go now. I'm going to butcher these names of the native tribes. I apologize. This creature has been known among the Algonquian Ojibwe, the Eastern Cree, the Salto, the West Main Swampy Cree, the Nascope, and the Inu peoples who have described them as giants, many times larger than human beings. Although descriptions can vary somewhat, common to all these cultures is the view that the Wendigo is a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural being that is strongly associated with the winter, the north, coldness, famine, and starvation. Interesting. So yeah, yeah, it sounds pretty much the same. It's it's similar. Yeah, it definitely has a similar feel to it. Absolutely. It also I'd says... Be... Oh, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, by all means, go ahead. They have the different descriptions according to some of the tribes. It says that all the Algonquian uh, legend describes the creature as a giant with a heart of ice. Sometimes it is thought to be entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed with missing lips and toes. And then the Ojibwa describe it as it is a large creature as tall as a tree with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, hunting, no hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. Yummy. Yeah, they sound they have a, a similar a similar feel definitely something tells me people of the past were very afraid of being eaten by other people yeah it, it seems that way it also makes me like you know yeah it, it kind of makes me think you know like i know my phone's talking i mean jesus uh, a, a lot of these people you know, especially especially things like the Skinwalkers and the Wendigos, and you know they have a, a very a very long that there was there was a, a long history with them. And some of these people, not that they didn't think the same way we do, but they definitely had a different mindset, a different a different belief system. You know, there's there's I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how to, how to go about explaining that, but I, I think I think you guys probably know what I mean. Some legends about some creatures overlap due yeah. to regions, areas, cultures that might have migrated. Uh, John Lupo asked if he could spell the tribe names that, that you were going to butcher. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she didn't seem to do too bad at it. She did better than I would have. The Algonquian is A-L-G-O-N-Q-U-I-A-N. And the Ojibwa is O-J-I-B-W-A. Okay, well, there you have it, Mr. Lupo. So if you want to... 
I apologize. Q, uh, Q, Q minute marker, 40 minutes and about 20 seconds. That's where that's where you'll find the spellings of that for future reference. Uh, now, bringing up some other cryptids, we're going to kind of kind of change change uh, subjects here. In, inside of our main subject, we're going to be talking about the black eyed kids. Uh, either of you guys know any information about them. They're kids with black eyes. Black eyes, just for people, you know. Yeah, I can't talk, right? And she claps. Midge, do you know anything about them? Only that... How do I put this? It was a bit of a... I don't want to use the term creepypasta, but it was a trending uh, sighting. Once one person saw it, everybody did. Yeah, and it became trending so much that it actually, in 2012, became, what, a movie or, yes, uh, Black Eyed Kids. It was a 2012 horror film that was produced with Kickstarter funding. So they actually, uh, it, it made mainstream enough to actually have a movie made about it. Uh, Black-Eyed Children or Black-Eyed Kids are an American contemporary legend of paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of eight, uh, 6 and 16 with pale skin and black eyes who are reportedly seen hitchhiking or panhandling or are encountered on doorsteps of residential homes. Uh, while the tabloid coverage of these creatures has claimed that tales of black-eyed children have existed since the 1980s, most sources indicate that the legend originated from 1996 postings written by Texas reporter Brian Bethel on a ghost-related mailing list relating two alleged encounters with black-eyed kids. Bethel describes encountering two such children in, in if I get this city wrong, my apologies, Al Albel Ab Abilene, Texas, Abilene, in 1996, and claims that a second person had a similar unrelated encounter in Portland, Oregon. Bethel's stories have become regarded as classic examples of creepypasta, so probably fictitious, but you never know, and gained such popularity that he published a frequently asked questions just to keep up with the demand for more info about the new urban legend. In 2012, Brian Bethel told his story on reality TV series Monsters and Mysteries in America. He wrote a follow-up article for the Albaline Reporter News describing his experience and maintaining his belief that it was legitimate. Uh, then we then we go on the information here to say there was a movie produced uh, in 2012. Uh, and then during one week in September 2014, the British tabloid Daily Star ran three sensationalistic front page stories about alleged sightings of black eyed children connected to the sale of a supposedly haunted pub in Staffordshire. The paper claimed a shock rise in sightings around the world, and alleged sightings alleged sightings are taken seriously by ghost pumpers, ghost hunters, some of whom believe black-eyed children to be extraterrestrials, vampires, or ghosts. 
Uh, science writer Sharon A. Hill was unable to find any documentation of black-eyed child encounters, concluding that the tales are passed on as a friend-of-a-friend ghost stories. Hill considers the legend to resemble typical spooky folklore stories such as the Phantom Black Dog, where the subject is not supernatural and there may never have been an actual original encounter. Uh, Snopes lists this phenomenon as being a legend. So take that as you will, but there are quite a few reports of these supposed black-eyed children. Uh, John Lupo says accounts of strange children with strange black eyes go back to at least the 13th century, which I was getting to because they do go back quite a while. Uh, through some research, I've found that they've been around for hundreds of years, supposedly. Uh, and everything I'm finding in any sort of modern you know, any sort of modern website like Wikipedia that has information out there, you know, modern encyclopedic resources uh, similar to Wikipedia are all stating that it started in the 80s or 90s. Uh, and I have I have found reports that were they were from, you know, 13, 14, 1500s. Uh, they must have aged very well. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on it? Uh, that's the information. I do have different stories with black-eyed kids. 16 of them, actually, but they're all a little shorter than the last one. A lot shorter than the last one. Yeah, that was that desperation on Audrey's face. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> She's like, we're going to be here for how long? We're going to be reading for the next five hours. Well, you did say it was story time. I did say it was story time, so. I yeah, I pretty do. much think that um, it's it's something that one person said and it just spread and it caused nightmares and just scared people. And that's how it just kept spreading. They Then everybody had the claim they've seen it. And by the way, uh, Sarah Peterson, thank you for sharing the show. Uh, Nancy, hi, hi to Nancy. Nancy's here. John Lupo's here. Sarah's here. We have a bunch of people watching tonight. Uh, hope you guys are enjoying our story time and talk about cryptids. It's been fun so far. Uh, a little bit later, we're going to be talking about the Halloween costume contest, uh, giving you a little more information about that. Not all the information because that wouldn't be any fun. We got to leave you guys guessing on something. But we will tell you where you'll be able to submit your pictures for the costume contest and kind of a, a light outline of uh, what we're going to be doing there. But yeah, uh, definitely share the show, like it, comment, uh, you know, engage in the comment section, guys, uh, talk to each other, get some good conversation going and you might find uh, you might find your comments showing up here on the show, guys. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, definitely be sure to check out our YouTube page. Uh, we do have a YouTube page that we're publishing all of our live shows on uh, post the show's ending. Uh, and we are also putting all of our pre-recorded pages out there. Uh, all of our pre-recorded podcasts out there, I should say. Uh, what we do is every other, be between every live show, we're doing pre-recorded shows, uploading them on YouTube. We share it here on Facebook so you can find it on our on our group page. Uh, but everything's going to be there. Uh, we have a couple fun little things coming soon. Uh, might be working with uh, Gerald from Pop Culture Cosmos on something here in the future. Uh we have some fun stuff coming up. But anyway, back to the Black Eyed Children. Uh, 
do do you guys think they're real? Do you think uh do you think it's something fictitious? Uh I think you're not allowed to talk about me like that, but um <laughs> No, but uh depending. Somebody might have maybe they they might have thought they'd seen it and it just it was a rumor or even a misunderstanding that just wildly got out of control and I love it. Yeah, I have to agree on that. I, I'm your neighborhood skeptic. I'm a I'm a skeptic as well, but um Oh no, two rivals living in the same household. <laughs> oh yeah, we have interesting conversations about certain things and we we bicker back and forth. It yeah. keeps us alive. Sometimes I almost think we should be doing it on the show because some of them are actually end up good conversations. Usually, yeah, I'd say 50-50 depending on what it is what we're arguing about. We can have we can bar talk podcast uh bar talk podcast bullshitting show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Sarah Bruno isn't on the show tonight. He's uh, he's in he's out of state uh, with a family member, uh, taking care of them. He had you know he he has some family things going on right now that he's helping take care of. Uh, so definitely send your prayers and well wishes his way. Yeah, so I, prayers to Bruno, and I drug my sister on the show to help entertain. Yes, in the meanwhile, yeah. here I am, and I apologize. No dance. <laughs> You want a little more story time here? Go ahead. It's your vocal cords, not mine. <laughs> I'm game. He has to drink the rest of his drink. Oh, no, I have. We're good. By the way, Turkey Hill, if you want to sponsor me. <laughs> yeah, All right. <laughs> We'll, we'll read one and maybe talk about it. Maybe Maybe what we could do is after I read one, We'll kind of gauge if we think it's something fictitious or something that we think that they they think is real. True or false. True or false, yes. Okay, so story number one is called Midnight Caller. It almost it almost sounds like a bad porno going on here, but it's not. I assure you of that. Uh, Midnight Caller. It almost felt like a dream. I woke up to my dog, Lucy, barking. She was upright on the bed where my husband and I were sleeping with our 22-month-old daughter, staring at our door like an unknown stranger was out there rummaging around. I thought she was just freaking out over a house noise. We'd only had her for three months and she was still a puppy. It could have been anything. Our roommates, a uh, creak from the house, settling, uh, the awnings moving outside in the breeze. I wasn't too concerned initially. I decided the best bet would be to open the door and show her nothing was there. It sounds a little bit silly, but it's what we do with our daughter when she gets scared, and I figured it should work with the puppy, too. I opened the door, and she raced to the front door. She stood there, snarling at the door. It was an angry, violent growl, one that I have never heard her make before. I looked groggily at her and opened the baby gate blocking the doorway, planning to open the door and show her everything was okay. The second my hand reached for the deadbolt, Lucy went wild. She started barking and jumped towards me. And when I touched the metal, she suddenly changed her temper. She whimpered almost like she was afraid and backing down. As her mannerism changed, so did mine. I wasn't calm anymore. My heart was racing and sinking at the same time. I had been flooded with a mixture of fear and dread. I looked through the peephole. I can't explain why I looked, but I did. Outside were two kids. One was just a smidgen shorter than me and didn't look much younger. 
I'm 21, and she looked to be 16 or 17. She was slender and pale. Her hair was a light shade of honey blonde, and she wore it long, about mid-back, with long, thin, blunt bangs in the front that covered most of her eyes. She wore jeans, a light wash that's popular right now, and a thin-looking, olive-colored pullover-style hoodie. She held the hand of a small girl who looked to be around three or four in the same style of jeans and a button-down ivory cardigan. The smaller one looked at the floor shyly, but had the same shade of hair tied back in a ponytail. She held a stuffed toy under her free arm, and it was identical to the one my daughter has, as was their style of dress. Had it not been for the feeling of overwhelming dread and fear, I probably would have asked these children in and given them the same tea or given them some tea or hot chocolate to get them out of the bitter cold. Something about them seemed off. At this point, I hadn't made any noise. I hadn't shuddered a dog, shushed a dog, or grumbled nothing. I hadn't turned on any lights. These kids had no indicators I was at the door. The older one spoke. She had a voice that was mature, confident, strong, and accentless. She held her head tilted downward, and I couldn't see her eyes. She said, we have to use your phone. I stood frozen in fear. How did she know I was there? She raised her head to face me directly, and that is when I saw her eyes. There wasn't a reason I couldn't see through her bangs before. They were black, or midnight blue, or a dark, dark purple. They were otherworldly, she said. Our mother is worried. As someone who has always been interested in creepy stories, I knew where I knew what she I knew what she was the second she looked at me through the door. I have never been one to believe in these things as a staunch atheist and skeptic when it comes to the paranormal. I had written off many a ghost story for my friends and family members eager to tell me their tale. I didn't believe it. Still, I couldn't rationalize my way out of this. I was standing with nothing but a thin wooden door between me and a black-eyed kid. There was no questioning what was right in front of me. I did not answer her. Slowly and silently, I backed away from the door, Lucy still cowering at my ankles. She kept talking. Just let us in to use your phone. I took another step back, and with that step, the tone changed. At first, she seemed polite. When I took the second step back, she became commanding, almost hostile. We're not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have broken in. I'll ask again, may we come in and use your phone? Lucy snarled at the door, and I inched backwards, through something, though something inside me seemed to be slowly pulling me back towards the door. It wasn't a physical pulling so much as a subconscious need to go back and let them in. I got to my room, covered up the window, locked the door, and sat there to, in the dim light of the nightlight. I heard her call me back to the door once more, and then quiet. I didn't go back to sleep that night, and I haven't slept right since. I know from reading about them that black-eyed kids can't just come in without permission. I know they haven't hurt anyone, but I still fear I'll be the exception. When I told my husband, he said it was just a dream. He keeps telling me to forget it, but this lingering feeling of sadness, this dread with the house is silent at night, this fear of a knock at the door, this tells me otherwise. And that is story number one. Could have been Frank. I was going to say, I don't know if, if that was the smart thing to do. If even if, if assuming that was the supernatural presence, do you really want to piss off the demon, demonic little kids that come up to your door? Just slide your cell phone out the door. Be like, here, you know, you know the <laughs> just like just crack it open, slide it out. Be like, all right, there you go. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, that one can kind of go either way. I mean, I guess not everybody would be that brave, but um, there's there's nothing self-preservation. There's nothing about it that seems far-fetched. You know, it, it, as far as telling a story of something that could be something, you know, paranormal or, you know, like a cryptid, it's, it, there's nothing in there that made me go, wow, that's bullshit. Yeah. And kids can be creepy all on their own, so. You know, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing in there that makes me go, wow, that's bullshit. But there's nothing in there that makes me go, yeah, that's the fucking truth, you know? It, it can be easily replicated, as I said with the other one. Like, I mean, I mean, there's there's no pictures. All right, Audrey, let's put it to anything. the test. <laughs> there's no pictures attached to any of these. These are like user submitted stories. Uh, this this uh, web page is thoughtcatalog.com. Uh, they have like coffee table books, uh, creepy stories, uh, TV and movie stories, uh, different different types of stuff like that. Uh, you could probably find more than just creepy stories on here. So what I'll do again, like I did with the last web page, I will add that down at the bottom to the crawler for a little bit so people can see it, type it in, go there, look stuff up. Uh, shall we do another black-eyed child story? Bring it. Give me demon kids. Okay. She wants her demon kids. <laughs> yeah. This one's actually shorter, so. This one's uh, two, two paragraphs, uh, so we'll read this one. Uh, the title of this one is called Bus Encounter. I was riding the bus back home after work. It was about 1 a.m. I'm a security guard and often work odd hours. I'm sitting, so I'm sitting there, and this guy gets on, sits across from me. He was wearing a suit, had a briefcase, regular-looking guy in his 20s. What struck me about him at first was that he was chewing a cigar, not smoking it. You can't smoke on the bus. So I was just looking at him while he stared out the window and chewed his cigar. And all of a sudden, he turned and looked at me. His eyes were just pitch black. My heart started beating very quickly. And I felt my, I felt, yeah, I don't even know what he means here. I see, typo. <laughs> uh, his heart started beating and very fast. And I was starting to panic and I had no idea why. Uh, yes, it's definitely user submitted because he said he was uh, just pants shittingly terrified of this guy, which I love that quote, by the way. <laughs> then he grinned at me, and his teeth were all covered in tobacco bits and brown juice. The cigar clamped between them. I almost screamed, but instead I had the presence of mind to just get up and take the seat right behind the driver. I calmed down a bit after that, but I kept an eye on the guy. He ended up chatting with some girl that got on, and they were still talking when I got off. I later convinced myself that he was just trolling me, having fun with a pair of contacts. Now I wonder. So he even admits in his story that it could have been a guy just playing around with him. I'd want it. More than likely. Uh, here's a, also on this page. I didn't actually know this was on here. Uh, it's 10 facts about the black-eyed kids, if you guys would like to hear it. I'm game. Game? Good, good. All right. Ten facts about the black-eyed kids. Black-eyed kids will look normal. Look, they'll look like normal human children between the ages of six and sixteen, but with pale skin and completely black eyes. Number two. Additionally, people who have been in close proximity to black-eyed kids report a feeling of unease that washed over them. 
While nothing about the children's appearance, aside from the eyes, genuinely frightened the people, they still reported feeling ranging from anxiety to terror at their presence. Number three, some people have also reported seeing black-eyed kids that have talons for feet or other demonic attributes, but most sightings are seemingly normal children. Number four, black-eyed kids are also commonly described as wearing dated clothing or dressing in a manner that is not typical of a normal child of their age. Number five, black-eyed children always ask for something. Is it always something that involves being in close? It is always something that involves being in closed quarters with you. They will ask for a ride in your vehicle or to enter your home to use the phone. Number six, there are no reported stories of what happens to you. There are no reported stories of what happens when you let a black-eyed kid into your vehicle or home. All the stories come from people whose eerie feelings made them flee from the children. The earliest sighting of a black-eyed kid was a journalist, Brian Bethel, in 1996, which I, I, I'm on the... That's a load of crap because there's reportings before that. Uh, number seven. The story has been added to internet creepypasta lore, but to this day, Bethel insists that the incident was real and happened the way he reported. Number eight. In 2014, a British paper reported that sightings of black-eyed kids around the world are rising. Uh, number nine, theories about the black-eyed kids. This is all the crap we read off Wikipedia, so I'm just going to stop there. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely think uh, that Midge just dropped her phone. She just uh, dropped us. How dare you? You guys just did a summer salt, and you didn't touch the finger. Congrats. <laughs> I'm uh, Ron, Lupo, Ron Lupo says the accounts also say that if they get aggressive, if you resist them, and they also seem unable to use door knockers or doorbells, they always knock. Yeah, every story I've read about it, none of them ever used a door knocker or a doorbell. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Nancy wants us to talk about the Blair Witch. I, I know nothing about Blair Witch. <laughs> I watched the movies. I forget where the Blair Witch was. Was that West Virginia? I never actually even watched the movies. It's like, uh, did you, Midge? I have, I've never even, like, I've heard of it, obviously, but. I can count the amount of movies I've watched oh, in general it was, on one hand. It was in Maryland. Just outside of Burkittsville, Maryland in Frederick County. The Black Hills Forest. We should go there. That'd be fun. Sure. <laughs> Oh, Nancy says Blair Witch is in Tennessee. Maybe maybe there's a Blair Witch in Tennessee as well. Yeah, I'm not actually, I'm not familiar with it really. I mean, I know they have like a, what, a symbol or something. Uh, yeah, they have they have a, a pr pretty cool looking symbol, yeah. Yeah, well, where were we? Where we, we were driving and I said, isn't that the Blair Witch symbol up on mm -hmm. like a mountain or something? Well, those of you that are familiar with Pennsylvania... Uh, or any of the major roadways that run through there. Uh, God, what route is that? Uh, I think that's 309 coming out of Tamaqua, isn't it? Okay, so so if you if you if you're familiar with uh, like Northeast PA and you're coming from Tamaqua on 309, heading north, like heading heading toward you know like heading up north on 309. Uh, you, there's a little a little town called Hometown, Pennsylvania. You you go through Hometown, Pennsylvania, 
and you keep going on 309, you go up a hill that takes you to an Interstate 81 junction, which would be, God, I don't, I don't remember the exit number. I don't anyway, know. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Uh, going up 309, and on this hill, uh, it's a very mountainous region in Northeast PA for those that are unfamiliar with how it looks. It's very woodsy, you know, mountainous. Uh, going up the hill, all the way on the top of a hill, at a clearing that you could see from the roadway, there was actually somebody somebody made the Blair Witch symbol, which uh, looks like an X. It looks like an X, uh, but from the center of the X upwards, there's like a T, and the cross of the T goes over the top of the X, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been there for a few years. It's still there. Yeah. The last, the last we went through that area, it was still there. Yeah, we're going to have to take a drive out that way just to check. Uh, John Lupus said uh, Bell Witch is Tennessee, not to be confused with Blair Witch, which is in Maryland. I'm glad yeah, one of us to... knows what's going on here because apparently it's none of the people hosting this show. Oh, no, no, no. I, knew, I, knew, uh, I knew Blair Witch was in Tennessee. I, I actually thought it was I thought it was West Virginia for some reason. At least I was close. It's connected. Uh, John Lupo's into this kind of stuff. Uh, we used to have him when when I was on the Big Daddy Road Show. We used to have him on talking about aliens, actually, uh, UFOs, stuff like that. Which John Lupo, you are going to be in luck because that show is coming up very soon. Uh, we're we're using I no I'm using Halloween as an excuse to bring up all this crap that I like to talk about. So seems like a good idea. Creepy there, stuff. There's no other time of year he can bring this stuff up. Well, uh, dipping my toes in it here, you know. Uh, shall we read a? Uh, that one's kind of long. Fuck that one. Here's a short one. I wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna use any any fun any fun wordings in here. Okay, uh, this is one called "You Must Let Me In." On March seventeenth, two thousand and eight. That's a good date, by the way. I had my one and only encounter with a black-eyed kid. Before my experience, I had never heard of anything having to do with the black-eyed kids. I was 12. I was sitting outside of a hairdresser's in an old Chevy pickup waiting for my mom to get her haircut. About 15 minutes had passed, and I saw some kid walking back and forth along the sidewalk in front of my parked car. At first, I thought I recognized him as one of my friends from school, so I banged on the front windshield until he looked my way. It was not anyone I knew. At this point, I was not scared at all. Not yet. The boy walked over to the side of my car and just stares. I think to let me get a, I think to let me get a good look at his eyes to freak me out. And let me tell you, if you have never seen a black-eyed kid, you have no idea what to imagine. Pupils as black as the night sky. The boy whispers, "You must let me in." And then I locked the car doors and ducked down into the space below the seats. Five minutes later, he was gone. When my mother got into the car, she told me a boy with black eyes had come into the hairdressers and had insisted for my mother to give him the keys to the car. She refused. Thank God she did it. Because it's yeah. normal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you, you have your keys and that random kid you've never met walks up to you and says, hey, give me the keys to your car. Sure, take them. Even the if best they don't look like Hellspawn. The best thing about that story is the user's name that submitted it is the user's name is Big Taco One Two Three. 
Don't make me hungry. Uh, shall we move on to another? Sure. You're really in a storytelling mood. I, I will. You know, it's fun. He has a captive audience. Yes, yes, he does. You ask, I will deliver. Well, I, I didn't something. ask for any of this. But... <laughs> okay, well, this one's real short. Uh, this one's called Survival Story. Uh, this one actually takes place in Pennsylvania, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Oh, no. I helped them once. Never, ever, under any circumstance, do it. I'm not sure what they do, but it feels as if they are ripping out your soul. They get really close to you, and you get amazingly drowsy. If it weren't for my girlfriend showing up mid-invasion and kicking them out, I would probably be dead. I didn't even see the black-eyed kids until I had let them in. They're getting smarter. That seems like a lot of shit. Why would you open your doors for absolutely nothing at all? Checking the mail, maybe. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm sure some of these that I'm skipping over are good, but some of these are, like, longer than the first one I read with the Skinwalkers, so I'm of not course. reading. I don't, I don't feel like reading it, you know. You're budgeting your time. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to copy all these stories. And I'm going to post them in I'm going to post this link in chat here. That's that probably way, a way, better way of going about it. Yeah. That way everybody can go to this page, read the stories that I found here. Uh, Nancy says, my son and family lived in a haunted house. Lights went off and on. Something whispered in my granddaughter's ear, woke up and a family standing there. That's that's weird. Yeah, that's creepy. We're going to be doing a paranormal show, too, on our on our Halloween Express here, working towards Halloween. Uh, was going to do a paranormal one, a UFO one. Uh, we have our cryptid one uh, tonight. That could be fun, though. I want a ghost that cleans my house. Right? Isn't it rude also, to just anybody, stare at you as you anybody sleep? Anybody watching or anybody that watches this uh, post, post show being done, sees it on YouTube, whatever... Either comment on the video, or if you're on Facebook, shoot me a private message. If you actually have any personal encounters, either with cryptids, with UFOs, uh, with paranormal, if you have encounters, shoot me a message and and we'll talk. It, it, it's you know may, maybe if you're comfortable with it, we could use it on one of our pre-tape shows. Uh, John Lupo, I'm sure, has a lot of lot a lot of cool stuff to tell. But yeah, if anybody watching, if you have like personal experiences, shoot them my way. I'd love to hear them because I'm way too into this stuff. Oh yeah, he's overly into it. I'm I'm the skeptic, so come and change my mind. But yeah, you know. And by the way, don't forget to share the show, guys. Like it, share it. When it's up on YouTube, go go to our YouTube page. Be sure to subscribe. Click that notification bell so you guys can stay up to date on all of our videos and all of our new stuff that we're going to be doing here in the future. Uh. Midge, you have any other any other uh, cryptids you want to talk about there? Oh boy, do I! It's just choosing them that's the issue. <clears throat> uh, let's see if they have.
Yeah, I can, I can definitely see Bridget doing that, like with the pictures. I'm, I'm running some pictures of black-eyed children while, while Midge is figuring out what, what exactly she wants to do. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're covering for, covering for my stalling. Anyway, I'm done by stalling. The way, by the way, be, before you start, uh, not all cryptids are like big, scary, and evil either. There are some really funny ones, and we'll get to that too. Go ahead. The table is yours. Oh boy. Huge <laughs> <Yeah>. grin. <laughs> I might let Ryan do the honors of that one. Um, the New oh. Jersey Devil. In southern New Jersey and Philadelphia folklore, as in in Pennsylvania, if you are lucky enough to be here. <laughs> The Jersey Devil, also known as the Leeds Devil, is a legendary creature said to inhabit, inhabit, here we go, the Pine Barrens of South Jersey. The creature is often described as a flying biped with hooves, but there are many variations. The common description is that of a bipedal kangaroo-like or wyvern-like creature with a horse or goat-like head, leathery bat-like wings, Horns, small arms with clawed hands, legs with cloven hooves, and a forked tail. It has been reported to move quickly and is often described as emitting a high-pitched, blood-curdling scream. Do you have a picture of that, Ryan? Are you showing some picture? I can't really see it. It might be that. Because I have one here if it doesn't. It might be the same one. Uh, yeah, he put That's it full a wonderful screen. screen. I assume that there's a picture there. Flying goat bat thing. It's kind of creepy looking. It says, according to popular folklore, you guys can hear me, yes? Yes, you're good. Okay. Okay. There was dead silence. I was getting worried. I was like, I'm talking to you're myself is not something I like to advertise. <laughs> <laughs> according. According to popular folklore, the Jersey Devil originated with a Pine Barrens resident named Jane Leeds, L-E-E-D-S, known as Mother Leeds. The legend states that Mother Leeds had 12 children and, after finding she was pregnant for the 13th time, cursed the child in frustration, crying that the child would be the devil. Why did she curse the child? That's all. We all know whose fault that was, but that's besides the point. Anyway. She really liked getting around, <laughs> didn't she? <laughs> uh, considering how far back it was, I'd assume it was with the same man. Maybe. That's true. During 1735, this is how far back it was, Mother Leeds was in labor on a stormy night while her friends gathered around her. Born as a normal child, the 13th child 13th child changed to a creature with hooves, a goat's head, bat wings, and a forked tail. Growling and screaming, it beat everyone with its tail before flying up the chimney and heading into the pines. In some versions of the tale, Mother Leeds was supposedly a witch and the child's father was the devil himself. Some versions of the legend also state that there was subsequently an attempt by local clergymen to exorcise the creature from the Pine Barrens. And there's a little bit of background about the Leeds family. 
Prior to the early 1900s, before the series of reported sightings of the creature during 1909, the Jersey Devil was referred to as the Leeds Devil or Devil of Leeds, either in connection with the local Leeds family or the eponymous southern New Jersey town, Leeds Point. Thanks. <laughs> Mother Leeds has been identified by some as Deborah Leeds, and on grounds that Deborah Leeds' husband, Jaffet Leeds, take a look at that name, named 12 children in the will he wrote during 1736, which is compatible with the legend. Deborah and Jaffet Leeds also lived in the Leeds Point section of what is now Atlantic County, New Jersey, which is commonly the location of the Jersey Devil story. Why would you want to live somewhere the same as your last name? Yeah, that's awkward. That would be, I mean, now, if you live on a plot of land and then you say, have it named after you because you own it. Yeah, that would make sense. But yeah, like, I don't get it. I don't get why someone would want to do that. Uh, Brian Regal, a historian of science at Keene University, theorizes that the story of Mother Leeds, rather than being based on a single historical person, originated from colonial southern New Jersey religio-political dispute. Sorry for anybody who had to hear that one. That became the subject of folklore and gossip among the local population. According to Regal, folk legends concerning these historical disputes evolved through the years and ultimately resulted in the modern popular legend of the Jersey Devil during the early 20th century. Uh... Wow, there's some about... All right, we're getting some famous names in here. Regal contends that colonial-era political intrigue invol involving the er early New Jersey politicians Benjamin Franklin and Franklin's rival almanac publisher Daniel Leeds from 1651 to 1720 resulted in the Leeds family being described as monsters, and it was Daniel Leeds' negative description as the Leeds Devil rather than any actual creature that created the later legend in the Jersey Devil. Could you imagine that an entire legend was being created because somebody threw shade at one of their rivals? <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Could you imagine being that legendary? I cannot. Oh, God, and it continues. <laughs> much, much like the mother's... I'm not even kidding. Oh, Wow. Much like the mother Leeds of the Jersey Devil myth, Daniel Leeds' third wife had given birth to nine children, a large number of children even for the time. Leeds' second wife and first daughter had both died during childbirth. As a royal surveyor with strong allegiance to the British crown, Leeds had also surveyed and acquired land in the Egg Harbor area, located within the Pine Barrens. The land was inherited by Leeds' sons and family and is now known as Leeds Point, one of the areas in the Pines Barrens, currently most associated with the Jersey Devil legend and alleged Jersey Devil sightings. Oh, man. So there, there have been a couple explanations that skeptics have come out with. Uh, 
a lot of skeptics believe the Jersey Devil to be nothing more than a creative manifestation of the early English settlers. Uh, boogeyman stories created and told by bored Pine Barren residents as a form of children's entertainment. Uh, the byproduct of the historical uh, local disdain for the Leeds family. Uh, the misidentification of known animals and rumors based on common negative perceptions of the local rural population of the Pine Barren, known as the Pineys. I'd like to say that this sounds like it, it snowballed from something that was just so much as people talking crap on one another. But there's a lot there that's quite suspicious that would make you think that I understand why it became such a, a legend. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a. Uh, it, it's another. It's another encrypted that it, it traces back to seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds. I mean, there could have been some kind of animal that resembled. It, it could have resembled that and possibly went extinct. You know, may, maybe. You know, maybe they they're just not around anymore. There's there's a lot of animals that have gone extinct over time, so that's always a possibility too. Like I, I'm not I'm I'm not a firm believer in a lot of this stuff. I, I find it an interesting topic to talk about, especially pertaining to cryptids, uh, Jersey Devil, Bigfoot, Yetis, like all the, that that type of stuff. I'm, I'm more, if we're going to start talking, you know, into things that I believe in that are considered by a lot of people either taboo or outlandish, I'm more in like the paranormal ghost stuff, uh, UFOs, that kind of thing. I do have a tendency to believe in not all of it, but there's some well-documented things. As far as cryptids, a lot of it can be just mistaken identity from different animals, different, different things like that. Uh, a lot of, a lot of folklore, involved in area specific cryptids a lot of folklore involved from like native tribes and you know from the from the start of our country being built there was a lot of stories that were told because there was no television back then there was no radio uh no internet there weren't people out there doing what we do then because the technology depending on your beliefs didn't exist yet you know and that's that's what they did. They made stories. They told stories, and it carried out through generations. Uh, may, maybe, you know, the game everybody plays in like kindergarten and first grade, where you whisper something into someone's ear and it goes down a whole Congo line, and by the end, it's something completely different. Yeah, you know, oral it could traditions be, are usually be, the most that are. Yeah, I mean, it could be a situation. Up. It could be a situation like that, or it could be a, a situation where something was seen, but it wasn't quite what was reported you know it could have been somebody that was you know when you see something that you don't know what it is you know most most people i mean i shouldn't say most people there's a majority of people that they get frightened when there's something that they see and they can't explain you know so maybe their perception of it was a little different from what it actually was or if it was you know not not light out you know maybe maybe shadows kind of help disguise whatever animal it was that they saw you know so it's that stuff like that a lot of the cryptids not that i disbelieve all of it but most of them i don't believe well how many of it turned out to be stories that was told from like elders 
to their children to try to keep them out of danger's way, like stay out of the woods, don't do this, don't do that. But it was told in a more morbid aspect. Kids don't understand common them. sense, so they have to make it very scary in order for kids to listen. Yeah. I mean, and I'm going to put this up here on our on our scroll bar at the bottom. And Jack Neary said campfires and tall tales ruled that time. And he's right. That was their form of entertainment at that time. You know, they would they would have elders tell stories or, or whomever tell tell stories to the people that were in their tribe or, or, or what have you. And and that that was their that was their entertainment. That was their TV, their radio, their Internet. That was what they did. Well, it's like when you go around a campfire as a kid, a lot of kids like to tell spooky stories, either that they've made up or they've, you know, heard and related to other kids well, to scare the crap out of them. So, well, I mean, think about when when we were growing up, you know, I, I'm I'm 31. Audrey's 30. Midge is a couple years younger than Audrey. What are you he doesn't know how old you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. four, year, four years, four years, what, 26? Yeah. Okay, this is the part where Audrey briefly leaves the screen to commit a murder on the behalf of her younger sister. <laughs> you gotta pay up. <laughs> oh, trust me, I'll pay. The, the, the point I was getting to, growing up, I'm sure both of you guys remember the, the show on Nickelodeon called Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah? We remember that show? We watched too much of that. I didn't watch too okay. much of anything. We really didn't have TV when I was growing up. Sorry. Okay. That well, the, was the basis. The basis of, of that show was a bunch of kids around a campfire telling creepy, fictitious stories. That was the basis, the whole basis of that show. That's what they did before they didn't have anything like that, except that's a little more of a modern representation of it. Uh, John Lupa said, uh, they say Mothman showed up just before and during the Chernobyl accident. That's actually something I didn't hear. Uh, Jack Neary said, I believe Leeds had an Alistair Crawley aura about him. I didn't actually read into the Jersey Devil a whole lot. I only know little little bits and pieces. Like I, I know I know the Jersey Devil had an appearance on the X-Files uh, sometime in the early 90s. I'm not sure of the date. Uh, obviously there's a hockey team named after Jersey day, you know, the Jersey devils. There's a hockey team named after them. There's video games. Uh, there were, there were uh, video games where it appeared. Uh, there was a movie in 2012, a film about the Jersey devil called the Barons. Uh, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot, there's a Jersey devil roller coaster, uh, it's going to be it Six Flags Great Adventure. Uh, it definitely has a a big a big footprint in. It has a big foot footprint as far as like a uh, American folklore. You know, the Jersey Devil's definitely Amer Americana folklore at its finest. I, I think if I was, you know, out of out of any any of the American folklore, if I was going to pick one that's probably true, as bad as it is, I think I'd have to either like pick like Bigfoot, Yeti, like something that's at least remotely plausible. A, yeah, a flying goat. about all of it. Like a, a flying a flying goat. I, I just I don't think. 
that's not a very aerodynamic design. A, fl a flying goat. Well, if it's demonic, it doesn't have to be aerodynamic. There <laughs> was a fairly recent one taken in 2013. You look at that picture. I'm going to make it full screen here. Uh, everybody can still hear you guys. I'm just pulling this up full screen. You tell me that that thing is aerodynamic enough to fly. Come on. It looks stiff. It looks. It kind of looks fake. It looks like somebody took a galloping around. It looks like somebody took a pinata, spray painted it, and launched it, you know, into the air and took a picture. Put a string on it and hung it from a tree and swung it around. But that that picture in particular, let me bring that back up. Uh, that's a very very old one. That looks a little more aerodynamic and looks less goat-like, looks more like a bat. I don't think we had any king-size bats going on here. I mean, that could have just been something that was, you, you know, you had like a like a high, high millimeter cam, like you know, like a like a three hundred millimeter camera zoomed all the way in. It could make something smaller look big. It also kind and of looks this, like a kite. Kinda. Yeah, and then, then we have this one where it is uh, appears to be chasing a deer. Again, I'll put this up uh, full screen as well. And this is, uh, I, I'm guessing this is from a trail cam uh, that somebody put up. You know, it, it kind of kind of resembles a, a, a goat with like a dragon tail and a, a weird face, you know. It doesn't look very aerodynamic at all. Uh, this one, though, is the most recent picture uh, that's the supposed picture of it and it, it doesn't it doesn't that looks very probably not photoshop it doesn't appear to be photoshop it doesn't look like it's photoshop but the picture was doctored itself as it was being taken yeah it looks very man-made yeah like and it does it looks it looks stiff i mean okay picture picture uh, a full-size deer that's you know dragging santas i mean they're magical but you know can, can that's a, different they're magical they, they don't count <laughs> can a 10 point buck just fly through the air it's not aerodynamic you know pe people can't fly goats can't fly that looks like a goat to me yeah it looks like a goat you know so i mean i, I guess a lot of it's uh <laughs> jack neary said it's all ass and no wings <laughs> Uh, he also said Jersey Devil was X Files season one. Uh, he brought up Mothman before. He said that they also called it the Blackbird of Chernobyl, which I actually have heard of that. I never really looked into it, but I have heard of it. Uh, let's see what else do we have going on in the comments. Bigfoot is North American, Yeti is Asia. Uh, it said South Carolina has Goatman, which is one I came across as I was looking at different cryptids. Yeah, so I read I read that one. Chupacabra. Chupacabra. That was what? Uh, was that Puerto Rico? Chupacabra. Is that originally Puerto Rico? Or that was down... in Mexico, I believe. That it was, was in Mexico. The, I, 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 it was I a Mexican it was goat killer, I think. I knew it was somewhere of a Spanish-speaking origin, so I was thinking like either Puerto Rico. I, I didn't for some reason didn't think Mexico, but yeah. You're, I'm sure John Lupo's going to be. Please tell me if I'm wrong because I frequently am. Uh, that she is. Actually, I think there's nothing I am better at doing. Uh, the chupacabra or chupacabras 
literally goat sucker from Spanish chupar to suck and cabras goats is lit- a legendary creature in the folklore of parts of the Americas with his first purported sightings reported in Puerto Rico in 1995. See, I'm wrong. That's uh, if you type chupacabra in the Google, which also, oh, oh God, you know. Google I'd say Google me. over me. It's okay. Google gives you the most accurate results in the world. There, there's a little bit of sarcasm going on there. Uh, but according nope. to Google, 1995, I have doubts about that because I'm pretty sure there were sightings earlier than that. I'm sure John Lupo will be... Lupo says Chupacabra is Mexican, so maybe you are right. <gasps> I have backup. First time in my life. Let's do this. We know how accurate Google is, guys. Come on. It's not. Hey, um, let's put it this way. We could be wrong together. National Geographic. National Geographic has an article on Chupacabra science and says how evolution made a mythical monster. Uh, Parasites turn coyote. What the hell is this? I hate pop-ups. I have to enter my email to consider reading. Uh, Pretty much, it said that parasites turned coyotes into goat-sucking animals. Okay. Interesting. I think you could probably look that up on its own in Google and find a a non-blocked source. Probably. I hate um, that. Let's see. Chupacabra, a Lone Star State legend. So apparently they're very popular in Texas as well. Mm, let's see. No, they're saying that they're founding, finding chickens other animals with their throats torn open apparently drained of blood uh chickens what else what else what else do these people only have chickens i guess who knows anyway uh i know i know they, they've attacked other smaller and, and some larger animals uh, it says in the 21 years since the first supposed sightings of the creature, it has been a spine-backed alien, a winged kangaroo, or a goblin, a predatory monkey, or an unusually ambitious mongoose. That's quite the description. That sounds like a band name. Really, <laughs> unusually ambitious mongoose. That might, maybe maybe that would be the title for this show. Call it Unusually Ambitious Mongoose. I really I like there that. Um. Does that mean we should invite it to our family reunion? <laughs> I think uh, we might have to, to be polite. Oh, darn. I'm going to put this up here from Jack Neary. It's probably my favorite comment of the episode. Chupacabra is Mexican for your neighbor Dave hates your goats and killed them. <laughs> i appreciate you keeping everything light in the comments and john lupo i appreciate all of your research and insight in the comments i I appreciate everybody that watches so thanks for commenting guys and liking the show uh definitely share it always appreciated and when we get this up on youtube head over there subscribe you know comment over there hit the notification bell tell all your friends about it tell all your not friends about it tell everybody about it we like when you guys tell everybody about it. Sorry tell your thing. not friends. Tell, I have a lot of those. I have a lot of those. <laughs> uh, the entire world, it seems. So let's uh let's lighten up the conversation a little bit. 
and we will talk about one of the lesser known cryptids and it turns into tears and bubbles uh and it's kind of it it's from our state of pennsylvania uh predominantly because we can't go with anything better well i mean we're kind of we're kind of personalize it you know i think it i think it fits this cryptid this cryptid is called a squonk the wikipedia here in the crawler s-q-u-o-n-k uh the squonk is a mythical creature that was reputed to live in the hemlock forests of northern pennsylvania in the united states Although the earliest written account of the squonk was from 1910 book Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods, there are no records of the tale being told in Pennsylvania before the book's publication. The next written iteration from the 1939 book Fearsome Critters suggested that the creatures had migrated from deserts to swamps to finally settle in Pennsylvania. As logging camps were continuously moving in the early 20th century, this could explain the creature's migration to Pennsylvania. Appearance and behavior. Unlike many mythological creatures, the supposed physical characteristics of the squonk remain unchanged from the original written account, which states, The squonk is a very retiring disposition, generally traveling about at twilight and dusk. Because of its misfitting skin, which is covered with warts and moles, it is always unhappy. Hunters who are good at tracking and able to follow a squonk to its tear-stained trail, for the animal weeps constantly. When cornered, an escape seems impossible, or when surprised and frightened, it may dissolve itself into tears. Now, that being said... My spirit animal. That being said, <laughs> I found a well-known story about a captured squonk that I will read to you now. One well-known story about a captured squonk told in Pennsylvania involves a man named J.T. Wentling. Sometime in the early 1900s, the creature's skin was so valuable and Mr. Wentling went out hunting for one. One night with a full moon, he tracked the animal down by following the glistening trail made from his tears. Upon sighting the squonk, Mr. Wentling coaxed it into a bag by imitating the creature's weeping under a hemlock tree. While carrying his prize home, he suddenly noticed that the bag was lighter, and upon opening it, found nothing inside but tears and bubbles. This may be the source for their scientific name, which I am absolutely not going to try and pronounce, so I'm just going to copy it right now. Here. From the Latin... It, it, uh, Lacrima corpus. It come, yeah, there you go. Got it. Uh, it comes from the Latin words for dissolving body. The legend of the squonk has been spoken in Pennsylvania since the early 19th century, with the first written account being made in a book by William T. Cox called Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods, etc., etc., etc. Several cryptozoologists theorized the squonk may be resulted from encounters with malformed wild boars within the time period as there are no new accounts of the creature reported. So there hasn't been any accounts reported. Uh, for a very long time. But maybe from a wild boar. A disfigured wild boar. That was crying because it was so ugly? Yeah, supposedly. <laughs> I guess that means everybody needs to go out and hug their local squonk. 
Yeah, yeah. Squat. Never mind that comment. I'm not going there. Uh, yeah, go hug a squat. Go hug a squat. Ryan. What? You're not allowed to talk about me like that. No, it was about to get. It was about to get a little political, and I'm not going there. I don't do politics here. Yeah, it's probably a bad idea. I'm glad I didn't follow you down that rabbit hole then, because that's exactly not where my brain went. That's good. Yeah, no, no, uh, we keep it light and fluffy here, guys, except for when we talk about really, you know, morbid shit or creepy stuff, but no, Otherwise no, fluffy as a we, don't, we don't do politics. Nope. No, thanks. Uh, that was probably my favorite ever... one so far, though. Yeah, it's just cries yeah. all the time. It's kind of hey, like, man, come on, I'll cry with you. <laughs> It's kind of like Eeyore from uh, Winnie the Pooh. He just seems all depressed all the time. Sounds kind of cute. Mitch, what else you got for us? Uh, Anything? <laughs> She's looking around. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. The, 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 pup, <laughs> the, 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 oh, shit, that's me sitting right in front of you right now, put on the spot. Oh, also known as the average shy person that is put out in the public, public view. Uh, how about the uh, Bray Road dogs? Did you pull up any info on them? Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Always so helpful. Yeah. The Beast of Bray Road, or the Bray Road Beast, is a creature reported in 1936 and the 1990s on a rural road outside of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. The same label has been applied to other sightings from the southern Wisconsin and northern Illinois. Bray Road is a quiet rural road near the community of Elkhorn. The rash of claimed sightings in the late 1980s and early 1990s prompted a local newspaper, the Walworth County Week, to assign reporter Linda Godfrey to cover the story. Godfrey was initially skeptical, but later became convinced of the sincerity of the witnesses. Her series of articles later became a book titled The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolves. The Beast of Bray Road is described by pur purported witnesses, including a former assistant district attorney of Walworth County, in several ways. As a bear-like creature, as a hairy biped resembling Bigfoot, and as an unusually large, two to four feet tall on all fours, seven feet tall standing up, intelligent werewolf-like creature able to walk on its hind legs, and weighing 400 to 700 pounds. It is also said that its fur is a brown-gray color resembling a dog or bear. Several witnesses reported the beast had made contact with their vehicles, leaving long scratch marks on the doors of one vehicle and on the trunk of another vehicle who also made contact with the creature. I mean, somebody really could have just keyed your car, but uh, yeah, anyway. It's possible. When... <laughs> One witness, while driving on Bray Road on a foggy night, reported hitting something crossing the road, then exited their vehicle to determine what they had hit, and reported that a large wolf-like creature with red eyes chased her back into her car, and then left claw marks in the rear passenger door. Uh, all, all things said, that's a pretty tame reaction to getting hit by a car. Um, yeah, no kidding. Sightings also have been reported during daylight hours, with several witnesses stating they observed an unusually large wolf-like creature running on all fours through cornfields. One witness stated that they observed the cr creature in pursuit of a deer. 
Unusually large animal tracks resembling coyote tracks have also been discovered in the area of Bray Road, leading many researchers into the sightings into the sightings to conclude the creature is an unusually large coyote or wolf slash coyote hybrid. Would they please stop using the word unusually? <laughs> it's hurting me physically. Anyway, animal mutilations have also been found reported in the area around Bray Road with animal remains, including deer and livestock, partially eaten with specific organs removed from the animal carcasses. Another witness reported driving down Bray Road late one night and observed an unusually large wolf-like creature eating an animal which had been hit by a car on the side of the road. The creature reportedly ran into the woods as the eyewitnesses approached it in their vehicle. Now here's the area for explanations, and hopefully they will have other adjectives hopefully. before my brain melts. One can only pray. Please pray. A number of animal-based theories have been proposed. They include that the creature is an undiscovered variety of wild dog, a wahila said to be a giant prehistoric wolf similar to Amarok, or a wolf dog or a koi dog. I guess that's the half and half they were just mentioning earlier. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. It is also possible that hoaxes and mass hysteria have caused some falsehoods and sightings of normal creatures to all be artificially lumped under the same label. Concurrently with the sightings in Wisconsin, there was a rash of similar encounters in the neighboring state of Michigan. Following the release of The Legend, a popular song about the Michigan Dogman in 1987, author Steve Cook received dozens of reports, including photograph and film evidence of the creature. There's no known link between sightings in adjoining states, other than a similarity of the creature described. I want to write a, a song about a dragon creature, and then I want to see all of the evidence come pouring in that it exists. Yeah, the uh, I was actually looking at the Michigan Dogman, uh, the, the Wikipedia page, and kind of paging through that. Uh, the creature was unknown to most of the modern world until the late, late in the 20th century. Um, hmm. Like there was a, there was a film uh, in 2011 uh, called Dogman. Uh, there's actually not a whole lot of info uh, about that. Actually, we'll bring Audrey up, who has absolutely no idea about anything. He said, "Hey, Audrey, what do you think about Dogman? Is he real? Uh, no. Uh oh, we have no audio from Audrey." Audrey? What have you uh, done? Try, try try refreshing uh your page there and come back in. I'm gonna boot you out. Come back. While she's getting that taken care of. Uh I mean a, any sort of dog-like creature, I would imagine there's some kind of truth to it. Uh by the way, that's that's the uh that's the squonk, by the way, on the screen here. I want one. Kind of look like a weird, a weird dog, like a Sharpay, but big. And I'm pretty squonky. sure any Sharpay owner out there is gonna fight you right now. It's kind of squonky looking though. Sharpay the is Sharpay the breed I'm looking for. It's all wrinkly and shit. I don't think so. Um, don't quote, don't quote me. As I said, I am very good at being wrong. 
That's a Sharpe. You look kind of wrinkly. Hang on. I could I can make something happen here. Uh, Punchback of Noter Sharpe. Oh no, we're gonna do one better. We're gonna do this, and then we're gonna do this and this. I'm starting to sound like SpongeBob now. Do this and this and this and this. You can't tell me there's no resemblance there, guys. Come on. Why is it that I was able to see this picture? Uh, I don't know. Maybe the file format? Let me remove that and upload this picture again. Uh, should be in this folder and right here. All right. Can you see both of them now? Yes. Is, tell me there's not a similarity there. Come on. That doesn't mean I still don't want one. Well, Sharpays are kind of cool. I want um, the sad supernatural one, though. Oh, yeah. now you're stuck with me instead of the evil cat. Hey, there you are. The dog. You guys can, oh, yeah, yeah, you can hear each other. Here's your name back. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. I hated welcome being neighbors. <laughs> we missed you. I'm like sure you ages. did. Practically right. crying over it. I was sobbing. I was turning into the squonk. <laughs> Good, we won't like be extinct really of them. I know. Saving the nice. world one squonk at a time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Save the squonks. They do look sharp. Like sharp <laughs> they totally look like sharpays. Yeah, right, some of them look like really hunchback, like uh, like really leper-like people though i've seen pictures um okay were you going to bring up changelings at all midge or no did you get that picture i sent you on that one or no uh, yep and while you're talking about it i could bring it up there there you go you can do it you can do it this time mm, hang on well you got you gotta wait for me now then because i have to I have to send it to myself first so I can get it on here and then bring the article up. So give me a minute. Oh, wait, no, I'm getting this a picture. I'm not actually getting an article. You're kidding? No, I'm not. <laughs> he never kids. He is always so serial, uh, super serial. I can talk. There, I'll even show you. That That is oop, right there is the link I get. Okay. And when I click on it, that's all I get is just a picture. <laughs> all right, I'll send you the link. Of course you will. Because I'm a nice person and I don't like to see you suffer. Sometimes. Oh, no suffering whatsoever. She lies, I tell you. She lies. Okay. <laughs> you speak too much. It runs None in the family. Secrets. For what it's worth, I've never actually heard of changelings, so bear with me here, guys. Uh, they're they're an older thing, that's why they're they're beyond your time technically. Uh, Jack Mercury <laughs> said uh, a squonk is a carpe with low self esteem. My spirit animal, thank which, you. Which amused the crap out of me. You have so many spirit animals. Okay. It's either it's either that or hey hey from Moana. So I mean, 
get this picture up here. I've never actually heard of changelings, so sorry if I. Uh, if oh, it's kind of. It looks like a baby Yoda. It looks like me when I wake up in the morning. Oh, you're not that cute. <laughs> of course, it's cuter than me. That's besides the point of talking about the facial expression. Oh, the wide-eyed thing. <laughs> okay, Oh, there we go. I Fantastic. too have claws when I first wake up. Now, let me just send this again. Let me send this to myself so I could actually put it up on the computer here. So I don't like reading off my phone. It's too difficult. Some of us don't have a choice. <laughs> Some of us, huh? I'm going to break out the popcorn and let you guys uh, hash this one out. Okay. Changelings are creatures spoken of in many folklore, fantasy, and fairy tales from across the world. They are regarded as creatures that are placed into mortal homes by fairies or demons who proceed to kidnap the original child of the home. Uh, what does that button do? There we go. Myths and legends. Appearance. Changelings are often said to exhibit odd behavior or have traits that are not normally found in human young, such as having extra toes. Some tales also spoke of changelings that have had... Ooh, wow, I don't know how to say that Voracious. Word. Voracious appetites. Thank you. You're welcome. Unnatural knowledge and imp-like traits that made them more mischievous and or disturbing to their mortal parents. Changeling children. One belief is that fairy swapped their own children, the changelings, with a human child, as it was more respectable to be raised by humans. In Boy, other words, they want, <laughs> in other words, they wanted beautiful human children for their own. Beauty in human children and young women, particularly blonde hair, was said to attract the fairies who kidnap human children. In Scottish folklore, the children might be replacements for fairy children in the wow, what the hell Hive. is that? Tithe, tithe. I'm, not, I'm not good at these words. <laughs> tithe the hell, according to the Ballad of Tamlin. It's like a tax or an offering. Like a, low, gotcha. a, a warlord will have a tithe that their serfs have to pay. Gotcha. Other folklorists say that human milk is necessary for fairy children to survive. In these cases, either the newborn human child would be swished with a fairy baby to be suckled by the human mother, or the human mother would be taken back to the fairy world to breastfeed the ba fairy babies. It is also thought that human midwives were necessary to bring fairy babies into the world. This makes me think of fairly odd parents in such a weird way. <laughs> uh, some tell of changelings who are either unaware or forget that they are not human and proceed to live a human life. Changelings, which do not forget, however, in some stories return to their fairy family. More often than not, the human child that was taken often stays with the fairies forever. Countermeasurements. To ward off changelings, people would often put small trinkets in their beds in bedside in beside their infants and later it was considered wise to baptize one's young as it was believed creatures such as trolls would only take unbaptized children potential origins the tales of changelings were also a contributor to very real neglect 
cruelty and even murder amongst certain individuals. As many children, often disabled and or Ill, of ill health, suspected of being changelings, were subjected to harsh treatment by superstitious communities wishing to rid themselves of what they believed to be a malevolent or unwanted intruder. Some folklorists also believe the changelings were leftover stories from inhabitants of various regions in Europe who had been driven into hiding by invaders. They held that changelings had actually occurred, the hiding place people would exchange their own sticky children, sickly children, not sticky children, for the healthy children of the invaders. All right, so we have films and animations that were modern depictions of changelings one one is my little pony not going to look at that show the same ever again Uh, (laughs) is magic is the name of the show and troll hunters uh changelings troll hunters uh let's see we have changeling from merlin uh walter strickler is a changeling in troll hunters uh flying changelings from my little pony yada 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 Games. A changeling can turn into a hag riven in Pathfinder. Cool. Haven't actually heard of that game, surprisingly. But that's about what we got as far as changelings. So they're just like kind of, you know, ugly, ugly fairies, right? That's about the scope of it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I guess. guess. Yeah, pretty much. They wanted the, the fairies wanted their babies to grow up beautiful and everything else, so they they dropped them off and swapped them out with human babies, and then decided to keep the human babies too. That That's was very, very mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like some sort of weird shape shifting. You know, when when I saw fairies, I'm like, all right, fairies, shape shifting fairies because of the name. But I guess it would, uh, the name changelings comes because they exchange their children for human children. So that's where the name comes from. I'm I'm presuming. So I guess that's how they get their midwives and everything too. They they raise them as their own, and then they get trained to be a midwife, or you know, or they're used for feeding babies. Because I said like it often uh, kidnapped uh, the mothers and took them back with them to wherever the hell they live. Yeah. John Lupus said changelings in My Little Pony are awesome. They're pretty freaky looking for a kid show. <laughs> John Lupus, I now look at you in a different way for having to say he just let something out about himself. I don't know if he intended on it. Can't take it back now. No yep. shame zone here. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, so I guess on that, uh, hell, what are we running? Almost on two hours, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to shift topics here from cryptids uh, over to a little bit about our Halloween show. Midge, if you want, you could stick around. If you want to listen, if not, it's all good. Up I'm to here. you. You're here. Yeah. All right. So, as most of you know, we are doing a Halloween costume contest. Uh, we kind of settled on a date because it only makes sense to do this uh, to to have the show live. You know. It would kind of be pre-taped. It would make it a little boring. Uh, so the closest live show we have to Halloween that's on a Saturday would be October 24th. So we're pretty sure that's going to be our date. Uh, October 24th. It's, I mean, Halloween is on a Saturday. It is a pre-taped weekend, but we would be able to do a live if we wanted to. 
uh, but people might have plans. So we kind of settled into probably the 24th. So that's probably going to be the date where we do, you know, we, we look at all the pictures, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Audrey, would we say three categories? Uh, yeah, we have three categories. Uh, we have scariest, uh, hottest, and most creative. Uh, and by the way, if you're going to submit to hottest, no nudes. We don't want, you know, that's like auto DQ there. No, don't, don't send us, you know, nude pictures. We don't want that. Uh, try, try and keep it at, at least somewhat tactful. You know, no, no, uh, like distasteful costumes that are uh, ag aggressive in a bad way towards, you know, maybe current world climates uh, of things that are happening. No political figures in BDSM. B B <laughs> no, BDSM is fine as long as, you know, all your bits are covered up. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> is that what we're calling now? Bits? Bits, yep. Your bits. So, so if we ever go in the bed together, you're going to be like, hey, baby, show me your bits? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know be, be, be respectful, you know. We don't we don't really do politics here, so if you you know skip skip all that, skip the hot climate going on you know in in the world, just get rid of it. Uh, no nudity. Uh, you have to be over eighteen. Um, that's maybe not something that we'll do in the future once we expand a little bit and get bigger. Uh, but this year, eighteen plus only. It, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, loopholes and things that happen with children as far as you know consent to be using pictures and, and all that so we're just gonna we're gonna make it easy this year 18 plus uh, no nudity be respectful and tactful with your costumes uh, okay now where to send these pictures to I have an email uh, that's set up which I probably should have I'm going to put the email here in the crawler at the bottom of the screen. It is barpodcast2020 at gmail.com. That's where you will submit your pictures. Uh, Audrey, what, what did we have written down as far as what we wanted picture-wise? I know we didn't want just like face shots. Uh, wow. Yeah, full costumes. Um, obviously, you know, if you have to do makeup for your costume, do that. Um, but we don't want just uh, selfies of your face. We want the whole costume. We want the whole deal. Um, when you submit your picture to the email, we would need your name. And we'd off, obviously, just in case we have no idea what we're looking at, you dress up as a character. We have no idea who it is. We want that listed just so that, you know, we're not completely clueless as to what's going on. Yeah. So we want uh, your pictures, you know, preferably, you know, well, definitely full costume. You know, not just not just uh, putting face paint on. We went full costumes. We're going all out, guys. It's crazy. Uh, full name, first and last name, and what you're dressing up as. Like I, like Godry said, just in case we uh, are completely oblivious and unaware of what you're saying. Uh, but uh, creative, hottest, and what was the third one? Creative, hottest, and what? Scariest, hottest, and most creative. Uh, we originally had thought about letting people be able to sign up for all three of the categories. Uh, but we're not going to do that. Um, we're, we're thinking probably two out of three of the categories you could sign up for. Now, when you send your pictures to the email, 
definitely if you're going to enter in more than one category let me know what category each of the pictures are for that would be uh, super helpful because i don't know I, I think i should probably know what category it is based on what it is but you know what i mean uh, no duplicate costumes if you have something that's creative but also funny you can only enter it in one guys you need separate costumes so if you're entering in two of them you need two separate costumes uh the way we're gonna do this uh i'm not actually going to be voting on these costumes i'm the one that's receiving all the pictures uh so i'm going to know who everybody is so to avoid any sort of bias based on that i mean obviously i'm going to know who some people are you know based on their profile pictures and you know if they don't have a costume that includes a mask or what have you but i'm not going to put out there who anybody is when we do the show uh, it's just going to be the picture the, the pictures of of your costume and of you because you're in the costume whatever uh but we're going to be putting those on the screen uh the way we're working it we still have to kind of hash that out a little bit and, and smooth things over. I have to talk to, I actually have to talk to Nancy about something. So I'm going to kind of skip how we're judging them for now. Um, Cause I meant to send Nancy a message like a week ago and never did. Uh, Nancy, I have to get with you after the show to talk about some, uh, but yeah, I'm not going to be judging them at all. I'm just putting the pictures out there saying what the costume is and what category it is. Uh, there will be prizes, which there's going to be one for each category, a, a top prize for each category. Uh, that part, I didn't mull over with Bruno yet. So I'm not going to say what the prizes may or may not be or what, you know, that kind of stuff. But there will be prizes and it's not going to be like, you know, I'm going to ship you a $2 item from a dollar store. I mean, it's not going to be a thousand dollar item either, but you should know that. Um, there will be a... I'm going to leave the prizes at that for now. Am I missing anything, Audrey? Is there other things involved with that? Um, well, we were talking about um, the pictures of the costumes for after the contest. I think we touched on that. Yeah. Uh, the people who end up winning their respective categories, uh, you may end up getting a message from me to possibly have you on the show to get your inspiration behind why you dressed up like that. You know, maybe you're just really into Halloween. You like to talk about that a little bit. Nothing crazy, little 10-minute segment, but, you know, something to put our winners out there a little bit, you know? Something cool like that. Uh, we are also discussing possibly using uh, winners' pictures involved in our, our, our header image on our group page. Uh, that's a possibility. Maybe, maybe not. We're not sure yet. Is that about covered? Yeah, I think that pretty much covers everything we discussed so far, except for the stuff we have to talk to Bruno and Nancy about yet. Like once, once, uh, like Bruno, Bruno had a long week. So I, I, for, for the most part, I didn't bug Bruno this week. I knew he had his hands full, so I didn't reach out a whole lot. Yeah. He needs to do what he needs to do. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll talk out a couple things uh maybe maybe over this week i can you know get some messages going back and forth even if it takes if it takes a couple of days it's fine um but once we get all the information set in stone i will be putting a post up and marking it as the announcement on the page uh and we'll be recording a rolled commercial with all the information in it that way you know people can just click on the video get all the information and be able to look back on it uh, I think that about covers everything. 
as far as that goes as we as we stand now may the best costume win yep yep may the best costume win uh midge any any closing statements here before we wrap the show up thanks for putting up with me instead of your usual do with bruno and uh it was a pleasure and you guys are pretty great for viewers i just gotta say that much anyway i will bid you guys adieu and maybe i will even be here again i don't know they might drag me kicking and screaming and you might even hear part of that but depending on if it's pre-recorded or not it may be cut out <laughs> oh we wouldn't cut that out no, that goes right in. That there's goes a verdict right. yep. so uh yeah there right, you have well, it it's been fun appreciate you coming on yeah thanks midge thank you have a fantastic evening i will you too bye-bye bye-bye audrey any closing any closing things to say uh thank you for watching and thanks for dealing with me which midget kind of stole some of that yeah she always steals the thunder doesn't she she does well she's my younger sister she's supposed to yeah i guess so <laughs> well on that uh guys i appreciate y'all watching it's been a fun show talking about cryptids. Uh, like I said, this is going to be on YouTube after the show once I get everything, you know, all set. Uh, so be sure head over to our YouTube page. Uh, it's up there in the comments somewhere. There's a link to it. You can find it on our page. Uh, by the way, something I didn't mention on this show is if you don't feel, uh, if you don't have the time to watch us or you don't want to see our pretty faces, you can listen to our pretty voices instead. You can go uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, we're on Anchor FM. I should just pull that up. I should pull that up now because I don't remember all the places we're at. We are on a lot, you know? Yeah, there's quite a bit of places. Yeah, we're in a lot of places. Some of them I haven't even heard of. Uh, we are available on multiple platforms, one being Anchor itself. Uh, we are on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, uh, we're still waiting on approval from iHeartRadio. Uh, could take a couple weeks. Uh, I think it's been a couple weeks, but hey, what are you going to do? But if you can't watch the video, you know, you, you don't have time to watch the video, uh, you're better off listening to videos. All you have to do is head over to anchor.fm front slash bar talk podcast. And I will go ahead and link that in the chat below. So all you have to do is head over there. You'll be able to listen to our podcast on the go. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcasts on on those platforms that we're on as well. Once we hit iHeartRadio, uh, that'll be available as well. We're trying to get on as many podcasts as possible. Any podcasts. Wow. Uh, as many places that host podcasts as possible. Uh, Jeez, aside from that, I mean, we're, we're, we're doing good here, guys. We're on a bunch of platforms. Uh, we're on YouTube, obviously. Uh, when you do head over there, because I know you will, when you do head over to YouTube, make sure you subscribe, guys, and hit the notification bell. Comment below. Uh, share share our page. Like I said, you know, people that like us, people that don't like us, we don't, we don't care. We'll take anybody. We, lo we love everybody equally. Uh, so make sure you share the crap out of our page. It is seriously appreciated more than you guys know. Uh, make sure you share this post here on Facebook, like comment. We always get back to everybody as much as, you know, as much as, and as soon as possible. So on that note, guys, it's been a fun night and we'll see you next time at the bar. Cue the music. <laughs>